powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And just like that, the season is saved. Everything is fine again. Uh, nobody panic. We're fine. We're it's all, all good. good over here in Sensland. It's all good. It was the end of the world last game. Uh, everything's back to normal now. I'm sure everything will be wrong again after the Bruins game tomorrow. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Game Over Ottawa. And it is my pleasure to hit for the, for myself anyway, to hit for the first time since the All-Star break, the button. St. Louis Blues, you just got sensed. That was a good sensing right there. That was a, that was a full, full team effort. Which is making me a little nervous. I don't know if I want to point out too many people that looked great because kind of everyone looked great, and when everyone looks great, like did anyone really look that great? But um, yeah, I feel game. like uh, I feel like I have almost no criticisms today. Like it was just one of those games where everything went the sense way. Uh, I think since it was Star Wars night, I think I'll say that uh, the Force was with them tonight. It was on their side, so it was just. Uh, I won't say a perfect game, but that was probably one of the best games all season, I'd have to say. Yeah, and part part of me was thinking, oh, okay, well, like, this, I mean, this is a team that just traded away Tarasenko and O'Reilly, but they weren't killing it this year. So, like, they, they still had their top players, really. I mean, they mm-hmm. still had Buchnevich, uh, Thomas, um, Kairou, Shen. Like, they still had the guys that were actually performing, so... I guess like I guess like slight asterisk without Tarasenko and O'Reilly now, but also like I guess it's not like they were carrying them though no, this year. No, not at all. Uh, speaking of that though, actually, I guess Buchnevich came out of the game and and didn't return. So yeah, he wasn't playing. And I don't know if they've just outward they've just like outright said that they're not trading him, but I kind of think that'd be a huge if you, if if you're tearing things down. That kind of seems like a great piece to move. He's on an incredible contract for the next two years, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that there's been no talk of that because he's definitely older than than Kairou and Thomas, and you'd think they're just going to kind of hold on to those guys going forward. Yeah, I'm actually, now that you mentioned I'm just checking what his contract is. Yeah, two more years at 5.8. You have everyone fiending over Timo Meyer, and he's not quite as good as him, but that would be a hot name on the trade market if they uh, decided to deal him with two years left at a pretty reasonable price. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, it would be inter- They would probably get a complete haul back for him if if they traded him with term. Yeah, they're probably looking at more of like a probably like they're eyeing like a quicker retool, I guess. They probably don't want to strip it down completely, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I was just looking through the roster, I was like, that's a yet a lot in, in return for him. Um, but yeah, um, I guess we'll start the show off with what happened before the uh, before the game, the first trade mm-hmm. by the Sens. I guess deadline ish deal. We're still a little sort ways of. out, a couple weeks out, but you know worth talking about so uh not the mid-round pick we assumed it was going to be flat out but uh what what did you think of the uh of the tyler mott trade so i'm gonna complain slightly but only slightly because it's really not that big of a deal overall is just because uh when it was 
tweeted out originally that he was going to be scratched. You had some people expecting like a mid-round pick for him. And I believe it was Larry Brooks who reports for the Rangers saying that, oh, the Sens want more than a fourth round pick, which is kind of a high price. And that might be an obstacle or whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, we'd actually maybe get a decent pick for a guy that we just scooped up in free agency. Uh, and then it ends up being a conditional seventh and and just a body for the fourth line. Um, so I was I, I think I kind of would have been happier with more around like a fourth or fifth round pick. But I, it, it's not such a big trade that I can really complain too much. Uh, what about you? Yeah. I don't know. I, I I love the label of of higher picks, I guess. But like, really, what's like, what's the difference between a fourth and a conditional seventh at the end of the day? Um, mm-hmm. At the very least, I guess with 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 Gautier, they see him as if nothing else, speed. And I I don't know. I don't know what the plan is for him. If they if they're just like the the, the only problem with the fourth line is they're not fast enough. So maybe that's the that's the fix. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like there, there is something about the like you know it it being I don't know when when it's a conditional seventh. Like I don't really know how much use that pick has in the trade. I it's probably they they just wanted to swap to like a younger player probably I guess um mm-hmm. cheaper. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I, this is going to be a trade that uh, both fan bases forget about within six months. Like just. Never think yeah. about it again, probably, unless Mott goes on to have an incredible playoff run, which would be cool for him. And 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 you know, I I, I kind of hope that the Rangers go quite a quite a ways into the playoffs because they are a really fun team. So um, be fun to see where he uh, fits into the lineup. But yeah, um, weird condition. I do think. Yeah, well. I think it's very funny that they bothered to uh, negotiate those conditions into the trade because it's like. From a Rangers perspective, okay, so it's if they win a round, then the pick will become one round better in the draft. And it's like, if you're the Rangers and you lose in the first round, what the hell do you care that you gave up a sixth instead of a seventh, right? Like, yeah. like why why would you bother to put that into the trade? It's just so weird to me. I would love to know whose idea it was, like which side, because there's, there's a weird... It, it, it's weird no matter whose idea it was right like it i don't it's just like what's what's the 30 spots up like instead of picking 200th you're picking 170th like is there really gonna be you know i don't know i'm not mm-hmm. sure about that one but it's bizarre it's a weird yeah, definitely a weird condition um yeah but the other it's, thing it's that season. i wanted to the other thing i want to say about the trade is that no offense to goche or anything and i hope that he does well for us but i was kind of hoping to just see the trade be mott for a pick with no one coming back just because i want to see someone called up from belleville for the bottom six like sokolov or Cookshank. Yeah. so i was a little bit disappointed that we were getting a body back and we're just going to be playing him instead of another potential call up but uh but maybe if uh, austin watson gets moved as well then hopefully we'll see one of those guys at that point you know what's going to happen is the first guy called up is going to be castle that's just how it's good. That's just oh, I forgot he was down there. That's it's, right. Like it, we're just it's just going to be a loop for the rest of this season, and I'm I'm really hoping that by some miracle, you know, that yeah, guys like Sokolov and Crookshank can fight for a spot next spring. Uh, next next, spring. I'm in baseball mode by the way. Spring training, I was going to say <laughs> next next fall, next next training camp. But God, I don't know. Like I mean, I, I also have like I don't know. I, I mean, I have like sends blinders on all the time. Like I'm not really paying attention to transactions as far as like who teams are calling up, and I maybe I don't really 
necessarily have a team to compare this to, but I, it feels like the Sens notoriously just don't call up young players mid-season. Like, if they do, it's going to be someone tearing it up in college and they'll come in at the end of the season or something. But, like, I just it, – it, it, it just feels like – and I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of one-way contracts and that's the issue there, but it, it just never feels like – it feels like if they do call someone up, it's the 30-year-old scoring well below the young guys in, in the mm-hmm. minors. So I'm not sure if that's just entirely in my head or not. I do like the uh, the practice of letting the prospects cook in the minors for a little mm-hmm. longer. Uh, however, with a guy like Sokolov, I kind of feel like he's been cooking down there for long enough to the point that he passed Drake Batherson in career points for the Belleville Senators, yeah. leads the, the franchise in points now, which is... It, I, th- I think it was like somewhere like over 100 points at this point now. So he's been down there for a while, and I'd really like to see him get a shot at some point for the rest of the season, because I want to see if his skating has improved, because I think that's like the number one thing holding him back, like in his last call up last mm-hmm. year. Uh, I feel like a guy like him, he's probably been down there long enough that I'd like to see him called up, but yeah, maybe yeah. some, some other guys like Crookshank and Yarventi, they could probably use a little bit more time, but I also wouldn't mind seeing them get a few games here and there too. Yeah. Cause Sokolov at this point, he's on his what third really good year in the AHL. So at this point, yep. just, just do it like just absolutely just should finally go he's earned more than eight games honestly at this point like Mm -hmm. it's that's pretty rough um i guess we'll talk about this game um yeah i'm usually i usually push push uh push the, the the talking of the game back as far as i can and i guess i was kind of doing that this episode anyway forgetting the fact that this is gonna be a fun one to talk about um Tim Stutzel's incredible. I'll start there. I'm going to go with what you texted me during the game that you said to a friend that you think Stutzel is already the Sens' best player ever, which I think I almost agree. Like Maybe not quite, but uh, let everyone know your case for that. I, th- I, think, I think purely in like a, okay, look at like one season of work maybe or because I, I i can't say he's the best sense player ever look at his resume like that just it just doesn't work that way yeah. but as far as just if you just look at one player as like what they are um he is i don't think i've ever been able to look at a sense player and and see like in like such two-way dominance because mm-hmm. he just looks so good and every single time I'm like oh he looked good defensively again tonight like, that's gonna run out eventually just because like i i can't let myself enjoy things and <laughs> and assume that a superstar level player will remain a superstar level player but like def- like he looked like first of all first of all like an incredible offensive game from him in this one just dominating the whole way through but like i kept seeing him make great plays defensively and I just I I genuinely don't know if I've ever been able to watch anyone with a Sens jersey play that well on both ends of the ice so consistently and legit, like I said like elite on both sides mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the thing like a guy who's going to score ninety honestly like at this point I think that everyone should expect him to be 
Okay, well, uh, okay, okay. I, 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 I need to, I need to back up a bit. But like, is anyone going to be surprised if following the season, every full season he plays, he's good for forty goals, a hundred points? Like, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked if that's the player he turns out to be all the time. Mm-hmm. So to have that, um, uh, if the Sens finally have their consistent hundred point guy, who they've really never had ever. Outside of you know a couple seasons here and there, mid two thousands mostly looking at that. Um, so probably offensively their strongest player ever, but to also be that strong defensively, I'm just like, and may- maybe I am jumping the gun a little bit. Maybe I should be saving that for maybe a couple years down the road. But I th- like I-, I think he has a case right now. Maybe not the strongest, but I do think he has a case right now. If not to be right now, at least his potential and honestly maybe even his floor is arguably the best player to ever play for the Ottawa Senators yeah I I totally agree with you on on two points there first speaking of like the two-way game and the all-around play like factoring in not just the defensive play but also the offensive ceiling He's the best since Alfredson, like not mm-hmm. even close, right? And you could argue that his offensive production is going to be better than Alfredson's was for a lot of his career, at least more consistent because Alfredson had some amazing years with the pizza oh, yeah. line. But then but then other than that, he was more kind of like consistent, like 70 point guy kind of outside of those pizza line years. Um, whereas Stutzler is already on a 90 point pace in his third season in the league, like still on his entry level contract. Thank God we got him extended already. Um, and then other than Alfredson, in terms of two-way play from forwards over the, the years for the sense, like then the next closest is Mark Stone. And obviously no one's going to match up to his defensive ability, but Stone right. kind of, or uh, Stutzler kind of blows Stone out of the water in terms of offensive talent at this point, I have to say. Um, and then the only other guys I can think of as like really great two-way forwards for the Sens is like Pajot and Mike Fisher. And then those guys obviously are not even in consideration in terms of like the offensive side of the game. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's the best forward since Alfredson he, and he's going to be, he, he could, I, you can't really, I feel like it's sacrilege to say that anyone else could pass Alfredson's legacy, but in terms of uh, point totals, I think Stutza will pass him uh, at so, some point over his long career. I specifically was looking at the all-time scoring leaders for the Sens because they've been talking about that so much with Kachuk. Um, mm-hmm. and how Kachuk is the youngest auto center to ever hit 250 points, which is pretty wild considering how he was an older drafted player. Like, he was 19 for most of his rookie season. Um, yeah. Which is, so that's really cool. And he also passed Chris Neal in this game uh, on the all-time <laughs> scoring list. So he is now that's 15th. Funny. I believe 15th. Um, I should probably double check those numbers, but what's wild to me is that now after this game, so I was just thinking like, so yeah, this, this, uh, I was talking to my buddy, Matt, who's been a guest on here a couple times and he mentioned how the Sens are just such a young organization that looking at that list of all time scores, it's weird. There's only three players for the Ottawa centers who have ever cracked 500 points. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a young, young organization and franchise. And yeah, so Brady's at 15th. And so whenever you picture someone who you feel like, oh, that guy played for the Sens forever, or like a very long stretch of time, uh, Kachuk's now only 22 points behind Turris. Oh my god, yeah, and Turris was their first line center for like eight years. Right, so it just, it's it's wild. So I don't know what it is, either I am imagining that those other guys played for longer than they did, or Brady Kachuk is still a rookie in my brain. I have a Mm -hmm. tough time, I think, also just with how long Kachuk's been playing now. 
Um, in terms of uh, the top three guys who are over 500, uh, obviously Alfredson and Spezza, is it Carlson? Like, did he break is. 500 with the sense? Okay. Yeah. I, I figured it would be around 500, but I wasn't sure if it was quite over 500. What's yeah. his number? Uh, 518. Okay, there we go. That yeah. makes sense, yeah. And then Yashin's the closest outside of there at 491. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it drops off to Wade Redden in fifth at 410. So it's, you know, and I, th- I think you're right. Alfie's 1,108 points might like that being the lead leader on the uh, in franchise history is it, it honestly might be at risk which is it's in wild jeopardy to say, yeah over the is, next couple of years oh that's so exciting that's so i exciting. want to uh to shout out kyle in the chat as well who points out that stutza is a uh, top five in points scored since the new year uh in the whole league so it's not just these players like climbing the sends rankings as well you can mm-hmm. see that it's like actually top production throughout the whole league among centers like i i had bookmarked a tweet here like the most points since january 1st you have matthew kachuk nathan mckinnon Connor mcdavid jack hughes and then tim stutzla is tied with jack hughes so that's elite elite company so it's not just being amazing for being on the sends you know with our standards it's he's amazing for the whole league i think i think that's such an important distinction that you just made sends fans can be really excited about anyone who looks like their nhl caliber you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah i I think i think also just in the last five years or so like i think the fan base has kind of forgotten what it's like to have a superstar player um Mm -hmm. i just i watch i watch tim stutz i'm like i don't know what to do with my hands i just like sit here and i'm i i i I feel so out of place like why is he wearing an auto senator's jersey this player that looks so good um yeah, and I, I like that it's such an important distinction that you made. Like, okay, a hold star on. for just the with, versus league wide. With, with what you just said, I, I just wanted to just cut in and say watching Tim Stutzla feels like playing NHL be a pro and you're the, the Sens first line center and you're just like blowing everyone out of the water. <laughs> That's what watching mode? Tim Stutzla feels like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm so mad he didn't score in overtime against the Blackhawks last game. Like, oh, he had like five shots in that overtime. That shift was unreal, and yeah, he's all over the place. So I guess, I guess, okay. So if if we were to, because this is just going to turn into a half hour of of us <laughs> talking about Tim Stutzla. If you yep. were to, I, so I think without a doubt, first start of the game. If you were to shift the focus on someone else, who do you think would come in number two for this game? Who's someone that is also worth? putting the spotlight on and, and giving some love so this might be kind of a bad answer because it's not really picking one player but i have to say any you can pick whoever you want out of batherson debrinket and pinto because they were great as a line today like that was a line that had actually played a lot of games together earlier in the year and was really up and down had some really dry stretches but some good games as well mm-hmm. so uh, i think some people were skeptical that dj went back to that line combination this game but they they blew it out of the water here today like pinto had that amazing goal with the batherson assist that was just out of this world oh, like he, honestly he... half the assists were <laughs> nuts beautiful goals tonight seriously yeah. every goal batherson's pass uh stutzler's pass to mm. pass like just even zoob's pass to stutzler on yeah. that on his second goal yeah also shout out eric bramstrom with another point mm-hmm. you know what uh okay so i kind of gave my answer already but if we're if we're gonna say one of those three guys as like the second star mm. eric bramstrom third star i have to say that there you go love it 
love it. He he's he's a new player since since being engaged. He has what three or four mm-hmm. points in the last five games, like with like like two posts hit. I think. Yeah, that different. Edmonton game I was at, I was so like he or no, was it the Calgary game where he hit two posts? It, it was, was the Calgary he game. He scored. Think, yeah. yeah, he scored at the. Edmonton game and I was watching that from the 300 level and when he skated in and sniped that I literally thought it was Stutzla until after <laughs> he scored and he turned his back and I saw number 26 like he looked amazing flying in on that goal and then you could just see the confidence in that next game against Calgary where he was jump- jumping up into the rush and hit the post twice and now like you said I think it's four points in the last five games for him he's just been great with that increased ice time yeah I think it was I don't remember what the ice time totals were by the end of the game but i think by the second intermission against chicago he was second in ice time for defensemen which was nuts um mm-hmm. let me just double check this because i do want to compare that today him and shabbat were almost the same 2304 for bresham and 2323 for shabbat yeah bresham played 25 minutes against chicago uh yeah shabbat oh, wow. was 26 he's he's looking good mm-hmm. he's really looking good um, I think the main thing about him not having any production so far this season, at this point, I think it's just proof that it's because with his limited ice time on the third pair, he's only ever out there with the bottom six, and they don't fucking score ever. Yeah. So now now that he's actually on the ice at five on five with our top six lines, now he gets points, which right? is pretty funny. And the fourth line, like, I'm sorry. I, I know we said, like, everyone looked great. The fourth line had its moments in this game as well. Like really, yeah, really. Sometimes looking okay. Sometimes, and sometimes you're Austin Watson taking a stupid offensive zone penalty. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. I don't know how I feel I hope, about uh, that one. Hope GMs who are looking to trade for him uh, didn't watch today and see that penalty. Yeah, at the very least, you know, St. Louis did even that up with the instigation penalty after that, which was, uh, which was that was a, a weird relief. call. Yeah. Um. Also, I think an underrated thing about the St. Louis Blues is that uh, Jordan Binnington was on the bench and they still had a more hateable goalie in net. Oh my god, yeah. Are you kidding? I didn't know about any of this until uh, until looking on Twitter today. Uh, Are you, oh, you didn't know that Grice Thomas, sucks? Thomas Grice, not a good guy, apparently. Yeah, no, I, fucking, I didn't know about any of this. Germany was like, we don't want you in the 2021 WIHF, like, in the, uh, for the, uh, uh, world championships uh mm-hmm. germany was like no nah, we don't want you on our team <laughs> like it's yeah, that he's bad. apparently he's banned yeah they're not gonna call him up ever again so uh pretty wild that one team can have both those goalies yeah the most unlikable goalie tandem in the league i guess I, did you I, see uh close either like i can't even i'm trying to like think of like who who could even fight for that title and i honestly like no one's even in the same division like it's a different level completely Mm-hmm. Did you see the old picture of his uh, goalie mask? Oh yeah, yeah, with his name across. How, the yeah, chin. how did that get passed? Like, how did that get approved to to for him to be able to play with that? That's just insane. like to an extent, I can I can I can accept some ignorance on behalf of anyone else if he claims ignorance on the design and the font, the fact that like listen, there's two specific there's. <laughs> The fact that they're in a completely different font from the rest of his name, first of all, mm-hmm. number one, and second, you can't. Cl- you, he's he's fucking German. He can't yeah, claim it, ignorance exactly. on that. Like, just 
All that to say, somehow Jordan Bennington is by far the most likable goalie on that team, and I think that is absolutely fucking wild that that's even possible. Yep. <laughs> um, so great to see him get absolutely blown up this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very happy about that. And also, we got to talk about really Greg getting his first oh, NHL goal. yeah. Break. Yes, for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, I do... So... During this game, I don't know how you feel about this, um, but this is like a really, I don't know, like not like a selfish thought I had, but I was like, I hope he doesn't score his first goal in this game because I want him. In my brain, I was like, I want it to be like a game winner or something. Like, oh, yeah. It, like I, I don't goal. know. He probably doesn't give a shit. He scored his first NHL goal. He's probably psyched regardless. But in my brain, like I want that movie, like game winning goal, huge moment. I mean, he's going to score mm-hmm. game-winning goals in his career, so it's probably stupid for me to be like, no, 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 he can score it later. But, like, I mean, I was psyched when he scored the goal, but during the game, I was like, if everyone's scoring and, and he does too, like, it just feels like... It's like Tim Stutzler's, uh hat-trick against Seattle in my brain. I'm like, it, it, does it uh-huh. count, though? You know? So it's... I don't know. How, how do hey, you feel least, about that? I don't at least it was just... in the... At least it was in a blowout win instead of a blowout yeah, loss, like the Stutzel hat trick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, I do have to say it was probably the most subdued first NHL goal celebration ever, just because it was it made it seven two, and you don't want to showboat on the other team at that point. So you could tell Greg was uh, dialing it back. And I would bet that if his second career goal ends up being like at a big moment in a game, or even just at any point in a close right. game, he's gonna sell you way harder. Oh yeah. That's that you know what that's that's probably that's that's something we should look out for specifically. Mm-hmm. See that first goal Sally on the second goal. I was a I was a little annoyed too because I actually walked out of the room when he scored that goal. I oh. was like, there's two minutes left in the game. I gotta gotta start getting ready for the stream. Let me go get my headset and then he <laughs> scores right as soon as I walk away. I had to run back down the stairs and uh, see see the replay. So that that bothered me a little bit, but we're very happy for Greg. Yeah, awesome moment for him. Great goal by the one and only Ridley Scott. Um, was that his first <laughs> oh game that that happened? I think that was his first yeah, game. Yeah, it was. I'm trying to remember who it was against. I think it's either against the Leafs or the Habs. Uh, I think it was that Leafs game. It was just they said Ridley Scott every freaking yeah. time. Oh, well. <laughs> the, the commentators will learn his name. He will, uh, oh, he will yeah. make make himself known. I, 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 I uh, ever since I first heard this, uh, when he was drafted, because underrated uh, thing to mention that I think a lot of people are forgetting is that that was the Pajot pick that turned yes. into Ridley Gregg, who might turn into a very Pajot-like player, third-line mm-hmm. center, got some bite to him. Um, I want to see, like, I mean, well, I think I think just like everyone else, I'm mostly dying to see playoff Kachuk, but playoff Gregg sounds like mm-hmm. it'll be a lot of fun too. I'm glad that we're uh, able to ease him into the lineup now when it's not like yeah. super high stakes, but kind of important games too. So, you know, he can get settled, but it's not completely meaningless hockey at the same time too. So hopefully next year, fingers crossed, I'll say when we make the playoffs, not if, but when we make the playoffs, he'll be a beast. So with Norris in the lineup, who are you moving between him and Pinto to a wing? Or do you just stick him on the fourth That's line? That's the issue. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. I think you could start Greg on the fourth line mm-hmm. for next year, just uh, if if he's not like lighting the world on fire in terms of point scoring at the end of this season, because he's fit in really well. But uh, and like 
done good as a stopgap on that second line, but then he's gotten moved down to the bottom six now. I don't think he's going to be putting up a lot of points, but he obviously fits in at the NHL level. For sure. So I think I think it would be more likely that Pinto stays as the 3C and you could start Greg on the fourth line, but it's also equally as likely that Greg starts putting up some more points, ends up back on the second line, and then maybe mm-hmm. maybe we have that issue again. What, what do you think? I'm not sure, because I think... I've been thinking this for a while now, and it sounds. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna talk about this on the show now because I'm like, you know what? I've decided I like this idea and I want the sense to do it. And of course, it it's it's me saying they should trade Batherson, and he had a great game. He, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's been he's been so rough this year. Like he's scoring sure, but like he's just looked so rough so many times Yo, this season. That turnover on the first goal of the game against Chicago. Oh, what the hell was that? Just threw it back oh. in his own zone, and there wasn't a sense player in sight. There's so but much you, of that. You get those moments from him. It's so much of it, that. It makes season. it rough. And I am 100% on team plus minus is stupid. Plus minus is a terrible stat and should never be used. So the fact that his plus minus is bad enough for me to say, hey, his plus minus sucks. He's minus 27 yeah. in 54 Way games. Way worse than anyone else. It's just, I mean, it's clearly like, obviously you're going to be a minus on a team that's outside the playoffs, but that is just brutal. Anyway, I think the move is, because let's let's be real, uh, a lot of GMs are just going to look at his production and look at his contract. And his dollar to point ratio is very, very good because he's still on that. Mm-hmm. I think it's under five hundred, isn't it? Or not five hundred, under five mil. It's like high. Yeah, fours. it's like four point nine or something. Yeah. So I don't remember how many years left. Two years left on that, maybe. Anyway, I think you. It's longer than that. It's like five years. Is it another? Is a... it... How long was it, it was deal a deal when it was signed? It was a six-year deal. Six Let me hear. Okay, so maybe there's I'll like get three this years real quick. Left. Anyway, I think the move is if you can make a package for a defenseman with batherson Mm -hmm. yeah and i know everyone was looking at that top six coming to the season like it's perfect leave it the way it is but my god the defense needs help and honestly between pinto and now i got all the confidence of the world world in greg to if, if if you need to move pinto up to the second line and then greg becomes a third line like i honestly i'm fine with it i i have all Mm -hmm. the confidence in the world in those guys so i think it Honestly, purely from like a money perspective, uh, and also because he's kind of sucked a lot of this season. But as far as the contracts go, the easiest one to move is Batherson. Like that goes yeah. without a doubt. It's the easiest one to move. So I think you could maybe find a deal uh, somewhere, move Batherson for a, for a top four caliber defenseman. Mm-hmm. I got the details. It's four years left at, and it's four million nine hundred and seventy five. So it's just under five million. For four more years so four gms years. will like that as you said for the cost per point yeah and uh yeah i mean if we keep him it's perfectly fine in terms of that cost per point but he's got to pick up the defensive play if he sticks around and so yeah. i i could definitely see him getting moved for just a defenseman especially if we end up drafting a forward in this year's draft because mm-hmm. here's the thing we really need help on defense but we need help on defense now so if we draft like a right defenseman we're not going to be wanting to wait like three yeah. or four years for that guy to be ready as a rookie i think it would be to be honest just more likely that we would draft a forward this year because we're going to need more guys coming up on elcs uh yeah to play behind our big contract guys uh on offense so i could definitely see that being the yeah. case i don't know what your opinion on this on this is but i am like i hate drafting for positional need i hate it yeah draft the best player available every time because guess what when that player you drafted turns out to be better 
if you if you need a defenseman and you grab that forward who's incredible, you know what you do? You trade that forward for a defenseman better than the guy you were going to draft at defense anyway, exactly. right? So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, just I I hate. I guess it's I think it's probably a little different in other sports where the positions are a little bit more. I don't. I want to say like black and white, but in, in in hockey, like you can kind of convert wingers to center, centers to wingers, and then defense, mm-hmm. you can kind of flip sides, whatever. There's really only like three positions, I guess, outside goalie, kind of um, between winger, center, and D. So I guess, like, I guess I understand why like football teams will be like drafting for position lead, I guess. But yeah, I think. Okay, so here, so here's the question. What if the Sens recreate, try and recreate like a Debrinket trade for a defenseman trading an early first round pick again? You know, I would be here for it. Like, I love that I answer. I love that answer. Yeah. I basically just said my opinion on what they might do with the pick if they keep it. But uh, obviously, depending on who they trade it for, I'd be totally fine with moving another pick, especially uh, like after the lottery where we know exactly where it stands, mm-hmm. especially if it's between the 10 and 15 range. I, I haven't done too much research on this year's draft yet because I'm trying to uh, prolong the playoff hopes as long as possible uh, because it's always depressing for the Sens just uh, looking at the, the draft rankings in November when we're already out of it. So I've tried yeah. to delay that a little bit more this year. So I'm not too educated on who will be available in our spot but uh if we could get a top 4d especially a right hand d for that pick go for it i love that answer go for at this point yeah at this point i'm, I'm completely with you recreate the debrinka trade if you have to for a defenseman you know if it's like a mid-round pick instead of a top 10 maybe do what i said earlier maybe you put 15th overall or so with drake batherson and then you try and you know make that move for I mean, granted it's going to have to be a team who wants to move a defenseman and get a capable enough forward like you can't be going for a team that's going to trying to blow it all up because they're not going to want to take batherson probably yeah so mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to have to be a really specific team to make that trade but yeah um sends win we love it Woo. hell yeah that was a good one any uh any closing thoughts you have before we uh wrap things up here well Five points out of the playoffs now uh, with with a bunch of games in hand, which is awesome, at mm-hmm. least on the Islanders, Washington and Florida, not on Pittsburgh. Uh, however, Boston and Carolina coming up next. I'm very scared for that. I feel like we might get a bit of a reality check, especially yeah. tomorrow, because uh, the Bruins just absolutely destroyed the Islanders yesterday. Uh, so they're in good form right now. Uh, quick question for you. Do you think they'll go back to Sogard tomorrow or do you think they put Mandelisi against the best team in the league? I don't know if they want to hit a rookie with back-to-backs yeah i i i oh, i don't know what choice i'd make but i think i think I they f- i think they go with kevin yeah i think they will too but i think it's a really tough choice either way yeah either also, way it's gonna be a rough game last thing audie james in the chat saying are the sends in session i'm thinking they are 100 percent sends are in session ask ask us again in 24 hours we might have a different answer for you (laughs) yeah but uh for now today they're in session the sends beat the bruins twice this season so somehow somehow who knows maybe we just have that magic against them where they're uh where they're achilles heel i guess yeah i mean i think every championship caliber team has always had a problem with a not so good team each season there's always been that one team so if listen if if the sends can't make the playoffs let's at least be the team that ruins Bruins fans moods every so often (laughs) I'm okay with that 
All right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Game Over Ottawa. Um, I don't know how many other Canadian teams are playing. I should have checked that, but there's probably going to be a couple other streams today. Toronto's got a show tonight. Toronto. All right. Well, make sure to tune in to uh, Game Over Toronto later on today. Like the stream, subscribe to the channel, and uh, we will see you next time. Have a good night, everyone. Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada Sportsbook.